Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips. I played Billy Riggins. The assumption is, as always, that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Peacock TV, or you can download it on Amazon, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you would like to support our show, subscribe for free to our brand new YouTube channel with all the episodes on it so far. And as you may have noticed, we've shifted from our every Tuesday schedule, and we're now releasing episodes of the podcast every other week. But don't worry, we're still recapping all your favorite episodes, chatting with amazing guests, and answering your questions. So keep emailing us anything you want to know at Clear Eyes, fullheartspod at gmail.com, season three, episode 12, Underdogs. It was written by Liz Heldens and directed by Jeffrey Reiner. This is your NBC synopsis. The Panthers head to the state championship as the friendships between the Taylors and the McCoys disintegrates. There is a ton to unpack in this episode, but first... We're going to answer a few of your fan questions. Our first question comes from Angel, who writes, when the football players like Matt, Riggins, Smash, etc. did practice in game day scenes, how many scenes would they do before a stunt person took over for them? So in general, the way that kind of worked, I mean, depending on how athletic the actual actor I know, was. I would say as little as possible. It depends on the actor, 100%. But when it came to like physical, like hitting, they tried to make sure that the actors were never actually being hit. And it's not because actors are wimps or anything like that. It's just the fact, seriously, guys, that if one of them gets injured or one of them breaks an arm or breaks a leg, all of a sudden you've got to rewrite whole entire episodes. It becomes a massive insurance risk. I mean, so, even if they get a cut on their face, that's continuity. So it's yeah. like, it's a, it's a big, big deal. You try your best to keep your actors from getting injured. I mean, if you look at a movie like the Mission Impossible movie that shot a couple of years back, Tom Cruise was doing a stunt. He broke his foot and the movie had to go on hiatus for like four months while Tom Cruise's leg healed. Now, I mean, part of what you sign up for when you go to watch a Tom Cruise movie is knowing that Tom Cruise is going to yeah. be doing those stunts. So that's part of the deal. Yeah, I mean, in general, they tried to make sure that the actors weren't doing any any like physical hitting. But um, guys like Scott Porter, Taylor Kitsch were really, really good athletes. And so they definitely did a lot of their own stuff. Michael B. Jordan, when he comes on the show, mm-hmm. has a good arm. He's another good athlete. And so wound up doing a lot of the physical stuff as long as he wasn't getting hit. So I hope that answers some of your questions. Some of it also came down to the fact that, you know, some guys may not have a great throwing motion, so they'll sub in a guy who does. I did the movie 42, and I, I can throw a ball just fine. I've never had a strong arm, though. And there's a scene where I'm supposed to be throwing the ball down to second base, and they were like, can you make that throw? And I was like, I can make it, but it's going to kind of have an arc to it. Yeah. I'd rather have a guy come in who's a professional baseball player and make that throw and it's going to look like, it's going to make me look great. So I'm, I've always been one of those people that, hey, man, if there's a stunt guy who could do this better than me, let him do it. You I know? think about you doing 42 now. And if I was cast like today in your role in 42, my knees could not take it. The squatting that you have to do as a catcher. Oh, my God. It makes me hurt to think about it. Yeah, I'm 46 years old. And I mean, there's a reason why there aren't a lot of 46-year-old baseball players out there. And they sure as hell aren't catching. It's the standing up from the squatting. Oh, yeah. God. It looks so good. <laughs> it does okay. 
<laughs> Next question comes from Kelly in Perth. God, I love you guys in Australia. Who has two questions? Let's do this first one first. Did any of the cast get to keep any props or wardrobe from set once the show wrapped? I personally did famously steal. I say steal. I asked the art department. All of the framed pictures that were in the Riggins house, I still have some of them. One of them is a very weird framed photo of Taylor Kitsch in like a riverbed brook just taking a sock off. And I love it. Another was the, his framed picture of his like uniformed 33 that I gave to Mae Whitman for her birthday because she's a huge Friday Night Lights fan. I still have some of them. Costumes. Let me talk about that. They did give me or offer me a lot of costumes when it was over because what they, you're not going to reuse those. But just know this, anything that Mindy Riggins wore, Stacey Oristano wears the exact opposite. So <laughs> I wanted none of it. So I took a couple Dylan Panthers t-shirts, a couple East Dylan Panthers t-shirts. I definitely wanted my East Dylan baseball cap after coaching for the East Dillon Panthers. The biggest thing that I wanted, and I didn't steal any of this stuff. I was allowed to take it. Trust mm -hmm. me, I tried to steal the East Dillon hat before and I got caught. What Nan Bernstein had asked us if there was anything in particular that we wanted within reason. I couldn't take the Riggins <laughs> truck. I couldn't get my camera. Yeah, exactly. I'll take the Riggins house. I took, and I've mentioned this before, it was that stand-up like St. Pauli girl type cutout. It was in the Riggins house. And I've got that still in my... <laughs> place in LA. Do you know what I noticed in this episode today that I forgot to write about? There's a pinball machine in the Riggins house. Yeah, I think there is. It's the only time I saw it was at that party. And I was like, what? I think there is. Because I never played on it. Yeah, it's over in the corner over by Tim's room, if I'm not mistaken. one shot during that party. Anyway, we'll yeah. talk about that later. But I know like Scott Porter took his state championship ring. Mm -hmm. Scott well, Porter's got did. like a bunch of stuff. My very sweet father got me a wrap gift when we were done. And he had a, you know, the high school rings that you get when you graduate. Mm -hmm. He had one made for me and it had a red, because we were lines by then, like a red ruby in the center. And it said, Oristano Friday Night Lights around it. And on one side was a football and on the other side was a like comedy tragedy drama mass. It's very, very sweet. And I love it I'm so much. I'm surprised that one side wasn't football and the other side wasn't stripping a stripper shoot like a, a stripper heel <laughs> yes i love it i, I still have it to stay <laughs> that's really cool i didn't sweet. know that mark got you that's awesome yeah all right our final question comes from jennifer d who says i was in the marching band slash color guard in high school so i am very familiar with the football atmosphere what was your favorite game slash episode and why i famously hated game days. Oh, you guys <laughs> hated is a horrible word because anytime I'm on set, I'm still the luckiest person in the world to get to do what I do. They were just long and arduous and being in the stands, like you don't get to do anything. So I have two and one of them is physical. So I'm going to try to explain what happens. It's the finale game. And famously, the shot is, I think it's Michael B, throws a ball and the camera just follows the ball and follows the ball and follows the ball and follows the ball and it keeps going and going, going forever. So that's what Tony R.A.D. told us was happening. So we just look and watch and follow the ball. That was all I was supposed to do. The guy in front of me who was just an extra, oh God, he was so sweet. Like, I guess didn't know that slow motion happens in post. And in front of me, he <laughs> clasped his hands together and very slowly did a like a raising of the arms and then to the other side, raising of the arms in his cheer. And I was like, well, there goes my shot. 
Thanks for that. It was hysterical and amazing. They didn't keep it in the show, right? No, I got cut, but I couldn't couldn't not let him do it because he was enjoying himself so much. My other favorite was we were definitely in red. Derek and I have a very good friend named Barbara Bowman who came to set with us and she was in the stands with me and it made that day much more fun when she was there. I always enjoyed whenever we got to go to the state championship games. We got to play one of the games in the old Texas stadium in Dallas, which was really, really cool. And then in this episode that we're going to be talking about later, we were in Daryl K Royal Stadium, which is where the Longhorns play in Austin, Texas. As a football fan, it was just cool being on the field for those. And then the show finale, we were at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas. And the original Cotton Bowl. And that was really cool. I mean, the Hurricanes, I'm a diehard Miami Hurricanes fan. And we played Texas in the Cotton Bowl and just beat the living crap out of them. And there's like a really famous moment if you're a Hurricanes fan where Randall Thrill Hill ran all the way up the tunnel and started shooting his guns and I oh, yeah, of course. That. I absolutely remember Randall Thrill Hill got shooting well, guns. Well, I remember it, Stacy, and I did it myself when we Thrill were in the Cotton Hill. Bowl. But it was just really cool as a football fan to go to these iconic stadiums. I surely would never have been invited there based off my athletic prowess. Your football prowess. <laughs> yes. So it was really cool just to have those experiences. I always loved when we had those big games. And the other thing that was really fun is they were usually long days, but it was Mm -hmm. everyone on the show was usually there. And as we've said before, the background actors, especially more so when we were shooting in Austin, were the same group of people for like essentially four or five years. And we got to know them really well. So it was like hanging out with people, you know, and you would watch little clicks form and like it was fun to see their stories happen too, just sitting and watching. Yeah, well, thank you guys for all the fan questions. Please keep them coming. Stace, you ready to jump into this episode? I'm jumping right now. You guys can't tell, but I'm jumping. She's jumping. Let's do it. So, Tammy, especially as principal of this school, is a mandated court reporter. She legally, as her job, has to tell CPS what she saw happen. Essentially, coaches too. It didn't hit me when we were watching what was happening because I was so invested and upset with Joe at that moment that I had completely forgotten that this is a part of their job. Yeah. And this is the downside of being a principal or I guess a teacher. It's any any teacher. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult decision to make because it is a personal thing. It's what happens in people's families and and behind closed doors, but it was brought out in the public here. And they'd be liable if they didn't report it. Oh boy. We all know that this is not going to bode well, that Joe McCoy is not going to be very happy about this. And I don't know what this is going to set off, but yeah, it's, it's not good. It's bad. Nobody wins in this situation. No. Flip side of that coin, the timing, I'm going to try to get away with this in our PG podcast. Mm -hmm. You have to go pee in the sink because Lila is using the bathroom. The timing of you peeing in the sink while telling Tim that you have something big to show him was a thing that happened. It was a thing that happened. And it was a thing that I kind of tried to play out. So people like you would guess what I was trying to do there, Okay, I was wondering. I was wondering. But man, I got to tell you, Stacey. I miss those underwear. Do you? Those are some sexy underwear. I'm going to tell you. 
You were looking svelte in that scene. I was pretty svelte. Got a little like ab working. Yeah, you know, I was a younger man at that point in time. Well, in my uh, life. Bill, Billy's getting married. He's like working on himself. Yeah, he's ready to go. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, if you notice in this scene also, Taylor Kitsch, when he wakes up in bed with Lila, has an X Man comic book on the bedside table in honor of him being cast as Gambit in X Men Origins Wolverine. So that just is a little, very cool. A little braggadocious moment for Taylor Kitsch there. <laughs> I loved him. Miss Gambit, that big purple hat. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, guys, this is it. We're here. This is where the magic happens. This is where it all begins. It's Riggins Riggs, baby. Riggins Riggs, baby. I have absolutely no recollection of shooting this scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's Moving the big on. moment, and I don't remember anything about it. Me either, because I've never seen it. Yeah. Anyway. But congratulations. Thank you. Riggins Riggs is a thing that's about to be. It is a good name, though. It is a good name. Landry to Tyra with her paper that was pedantic and derivative and yucky and he's right he says it reads like a five-page needlepoint pillow and it (laughs) is a phrase i will be stealing and using from henceforth it is a lovely turn of phrase by writer liz heldens and that ladies and gentlemen is why she gets paid the big bucks she good meanwhile stacy cps has arrived at the mccoy compound and things are getting hurt I mean, it is. I don't know what else you call that monstrosity of a house. Nobody's above the law, Joe. Mm. So I'm really feeling for JD, though, in this scene. He's caught in the crosshairs of what is really turning into a nasty, ugly situation. And all this is happening right before the state championship game. Do you believe it was the first time Joe had been physical with JD? I think from the way Janine Turner. Janine Turner. Miss McCoy, for lack of a better term. I can't. When she says he hit my baby, yeah. it makes me think that maybe it was the first time. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, now he's been emotionally abusive the kid's whole life, but this is a different story. Yeah, you're right, actually. I agree with you. I gotta say, I need the show, I need the world to give Matt Saracen a break. I paused the episode here and I thought about all of our students, all of our teens, And I think if you put them up side by side, I think Maddie has it the worst. Not that all of them didn't go through life-changing, ridiculously hard things, but it just piles on Matt in a way that is unsustainable. And I just need him to catch a break. The thing that's driving me nuts about this is that the majority of this pressure at this moment is coming from Grandma Saracen. I love Grandma Saracen. You know how much I love Grandma Saracen, but Mm. the dementia... Or not, she's been really selfish. Her, yeah. I, I understand that she has a, a bad relationship with Matt's mom and everything, but this is not the Grandma Saracen that I love. She's starting to get on my nerves. Now, Luann Stevens is doing a great job getting on my nerves. Yeah. Have I ever mentioned to you how much I love Luann? Maybe the first time. Stacy, I love Luann Stevens. She's saying if he goes to Chicago, who takes care of him? So like, yeah. it's that art isn't a job and you're not allowed to leave me. And like, yeah. oh, good Lord, that's just pressure. I don't like this side of Grandma Saracen. It's hard. And she's literally one of my favorite characters on the show. Yeah, same. You know who else is one of my favorite characters on the show? Lance. You mean Landry? Lance is back and Lance is making (laughs) special teams. I know. Well done, Landry. Well done, Lance. (laughs) I think at that point, Coach actually knows his name is Landry, except maybe he doesn't. Like Maybe he just doesn't care. The kid's good. Starts with an L. It's fine. Uh, I'll tell you, man, nicknames, especially among boys, it's it's a hard thing to lose. My last name is Phillips, and I had a high school football coach call me Screwdriver because of Phillips Screwdriver. Oh. Screwdriver! And it lasted all four years. That's actually like a good nickname. Like, it sounds like a hardcore, you're in there 
there doing stuff. You're a useful tool. You're also a tool. <laughs> You're a tool. Yeah. We just call you Little D. Uh, I hate that one too. I'm sure you do. Little D. Yeah. So Coach is very good at saying the least. And mm. JD asks him if he is the one who reported. And even though he isn't, essentially they did it together. So he says yes. But he doesn't explain to JD that it's by law that he had to. He just lets it rest and say yes and that he apologizes and that they need to work together because coach is coach and coach is good. And we knew this was going to happen. I mean, we unfortunately saw it coming from a mile away, but I can't help but feel for JD. Mm. I mean, I know he's being a little bit of a jerk in this moment, but it's like you put him between a rock and a hard place. I got to choose between my team and my dad. And does it make things harder for him at home now? Like, is his dad yeah. even more mad? Like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Nobody wins. And it, because of Joe, nobody wins here. It's so yeah. it's hard. Yeah, I mean, look, I never liked Joe McCoy, but I'm mm. really starting to dislike Joe McCoy. Oh, I'll say hate. Oh, full on. It's getting to that point. And I was saying before, we haven't really had a villain. Some people would say voodoo. Oh, I got to say it one more time. Oh, come on. Um, you know the <laughs> Some would say voodoo. I would say th this isn't a show that does like protagonist and antagonist. I think we really have a villain on our hands here with yeah. Joe McCoy. For yeah. the first time, maybe. He's getting to that point. And it's played so well by DW because it's not like a waxing of your mustachio. It's He's just a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so you and I... It didn't hit me at the time when we shot this. We just decided that hundreds of teenagers could drink alcohol in this house. Yep, that's what we do. Yep, that's what happened. I'm going to tell you, it hit me when we shot this because my dad's a lawyer. And my whole entire life, I've been thinking like, you can't do that. You can't do that. What happens if one of these kids gets in their car and drives home and kills somebody? You're at fault. Oh, you and I go to jail. Yeah, we go to jail. You know the only person who doesn't go to jail in this? Tim, you're allowed to drink alcohol if your adult is with you at home. So everybody goes to jail except for Tim Riggins, which is like the first time that ever happens. <laughs> but it really is. It's like so stupid. I used to think when I was in high school, I'm going to be cool when I'm an adult. I'm going to, if somebody asks me to buy beer, I'll buy him beer. Not a nope. chance. Not you, a you kidding chance. Me? Not a chance, kid. God, we were idiots. <laughs> oh. Billy, you're idiots. I do love that we're sitting on the couch here with Jonathan Schaefer, a.k.a. Yes. Falcon, our assistant prop master on FNL. And if you keep a close eye, you'll notice he's also one of my groomsmen at the wedding, along with Joey Hudgens, who is our location scout. It's just a host of crew members at the Billy Mindy wedding. And Scott Reeder is going to be doing the ceremony, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. You and me and Jonathan just got to sit on that couch for a while. That yeah. scene took a while to shoot because there were so many people there. I don't know what we were arguing about either because it's obvious that he's like, right, man, right? And he's like trying to get me to agree to something. I push his hand out of the way in the scene. But I'm oh sure it was just some kind of behind the scenes thing. We were just making something up just to keep it interesting. I sort of remember coming out of the room covered in a blanket and Jesse yelling, I have a Mindy, and then running into my house and vomiting. And I kind of remember it. I would just <laughs> like to say you're all welcome for my vomiting noises from the bathroom. You're very yes, welcome. Yes, it was lovely. It was lovely. Yeah, Landry's doing his best Billy Riggins there, waking up on the floor of the Riggins house. You've probably woken up on that particular part of the floor. Billy? Yes, I'm yeah. assuming Billy definitely has. Yeah. Hey, you know who saved the day here? You. Me. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. Look at what you. Know? I mean, that. you got the kid drunk and then you got him home. <laughs> I make problems and I solve them. That's what I do. Guys, well just shouting out Coach Spivey with that Panthers chant. That was a really good chant on the bus. It really was. See, that's one of the things that I love about this show, too, is that 
Jeffrey Reiner knows that Aaron Spivey was a football player and a football coach. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what would be a chant? And Spivey knows all that stuff. Spivey, so Aaron Spivey was the actor in this scene, but he's also essentially a consultant on the show. He played Mm -hmm. college football, also coached. I was constantly asking him what I should do on the sidelines in the fifth season when I became a coach on the show. I mean, there's a ton of scenes where, you know, I know the camera's on me and I've got to be doing something, you know, red, 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 left, right, left, right. We got strong left, strong left, yelling all that stuff. Trips left, trips left, that kind of stuff. Cause I was playing an assistant defensive coordinator. So Spivey helped me with all that stuff because I mean, I grew up playing football, but I don't know football the way Spivey knows football. Yeah. So he was a huge asset to me and we got really close, especially during the fifth season, the more stuff that I had as a coach. He's a fun man. Yeah. And I was glad to see him get some screen time. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Hey, little D, you <laughs> ready for me to blow your eardrums with something that um, has never been said on our show before? Little D, I prefer that you don't call me little D. Go ahead. <laughs> I love Grandma Saracen. She redeems herself. I'm going to give her, <laughs> she does redeem herself here. She's sitting there with Julie in the stands and I take back all the awful things I said about Grandma Saracen five minutes ago. We know that she's got Matt's best interest at heart. She just needed a little time to think things through. Okay. I know I said in the fan question portion of the show, and we talked about this earlier, but I got to tell you, it really was great getting to shoot on this field. As a kid growing up loving football, it was pretty awesome. I have a great picture of Scott Porter and I, I just assumed that Scott was in this episode, but Scott was just in town. And Scott and I have a great picture of the two of us standing on the 50 yard line of Texas Stadium. I'll have to put it up on my Instagram, which is underscore Derek Phillips. It is much bigger when you're inside of it and it's not filled with people. It feels just massive. It is a big stadium and it's just really cool. I mean, the field's beautiful. Mm. I'm a Baylor fan. I don't care about Texas, but man, it's still pretty cool. Tammy has one girlfriend in her life, I would say, besides her sister. And now I think that relationship is over, I would say. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Uh, That was an intense scene. I'm brain farting. I got nothing to say. I know. It just sucks. Everybody loses. We'll move on. This next scene is Landry and Tyra driving in the truck, working on her essay. And she says everything changed two years ago. And Landry asked her what changed two years ago. And I had these flashes in my mind and it would be like, I met you or I was attacked or all of these things that happened. The very last thing that I was expecting her to say was Jason Street got paralyzed. It's not that I have forgotten that happened. I forgot that literally everyone was affected by it. And for some reason, her saying it hit me in the gut. Yeah, it's it's an intense scene. I love the way it's shot. I love that we get to see the exteriors of all of Texas while they're driving down the road. One of the things that I really love about this scene, for me personally, I went through a lot of stuff when I was a kid. You know, my mom passed away when I was young, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, personal stuff with family. So I kind of had this idea that I had it worse off than anybody else. Or I had a bad lot in life. And as you age and as you get older, you realize everybody gets their fair share. And I think that maybe at the start of this show, Tyra felt like a victim and was maybe playing that up a little bit. And then when she Mm -hmm. sees how awful this situation was for Jason Street, it's, look, we're all going to go through stuff. His coach says in the beginning, there's something about we're all going to go through trials. And I think that once you realize that as a person, it stops making you so bitter and you just focus a little bit more on yourself. And that's what she's done in the past couple of years is try to better herself Mm -hmm. through all of this. It's what makes Landry, I think, such a good, I want to say teacher in a way, because he pulled that out of her to start what is going to be now this incredible essay. Good duo. Great scene.
Okay, so I know that this is like state championships and this episode is about going to state. And I remember back in season one when that was such a big deal and that was all we cared about. And it was like, are we going to win? What's going to happen in this game? And I found myself not at all caring what happens in the game. I don't care who wins or who loses. And it's because in these past three seasons, I, as a new viewer, have fallen so in love with these characters and their lives. And that's what's important to me. And it's a testament just to the writing of the show. Give or take the game. I don't care. And Tammy even says, you'll win, you'll lose. The sun will still come up in the morning. And I was like, yeah, that's not what matters right now. As an old viewer of the show and as a person who had watched it originally, when we started this episode, I had to really think, I was like, can't remember. Do we win or do we not? I couldn't remember when we started Mm -hmm. the episode. And then as I started watching it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember what happens. It really is a testament to the fact that What we care about is these kids, the characters. What we care about is what they're going through. As I've said before, when I've done interviews in the past, Friday Night Lights is as much about football as Grey's Anatomy is the practice of medicine. It's the thing that ties everyone together, but you don't need to be an expert in football. You don't need to even understand how the game is played. You don't even really have to care about who wins or loses the games. You care only in so much as it affects the outcome of these characters' lives, and you become so attached to these characters that you want good things to happen for Coach, you want good things to happen for Tammy, and if that means winning games, then so be it. We have so many international fans of the show. American football is really American football. It's rarely understood and watched or followed by anybody that's not Canadian or American. You know what I mean? So that they enjoy the show, even when they don't understand the game or they're learning the game, is a testament to that same thing. This essay that Tyra writes to get into college has very literally convinced more than one girl to apply and get into college. Adrian, it's a lot of times girls that will come up to her or write to her and tell her that it was this particular scene, this particular character that they looked at and they said, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's just a testament to Adrian, first of all, but the writing of this show, man, God, that was good. You're right. It is a beautifully written scene. I love the way that Jeffrey Reiner shot it by mixing all these different moments in with all these different characters. You got Riggins and Saracen playing Frisbee out in front of the steps of the Capitol. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful the way that all those scenes are intercut. Wonderfully acted by Jesse Plemons and Adrian Palicki. It's one of those scenes that we've talked about before on this show where all the elements come together. There's music underscoring it. You got Coach and Tammy looking out over this iconic Austin cityscape. Mm. There's something about that Frisbee throwing too. We always sometimes get a little bit of a callback to reminding the guys why they like playing in the first place. Like when Mm -hmm. they watch the boys play football or whatever, and it's like, we just like tossing things to each other and catching them. And it is is a cliche, you know, it's, it's not about who wins or loses. It's about how you play the game. And I think that there's a lot of those moments. I think that's what coach goes back to over and over Mm -hmm. in this. Unfortunately, you got to win if you want to hold on to your contract. Unfortunately, you got to win if you want to stay coaching. You got to win if you want to keep playing. But at the end of the day, it really is about the joy of playing this game, of playing any game, the joy of competition, the, the camaraderie that's created on and off the field when you play sports. And I think that that purity of the game is what coach kind of keeps going back to. Yeah, we do a lot of callbacks to that in this show that I love. Yeah. So it really is kind of a wonderful moment. They just find this random Frisbee laying out in the field, which in mm-hmm. Austin, there probably is a oh, random Frisbee. Trust probably me, there a hacky is. hacky sack not far by. 
Do you know what happens in Austin? So I lived in Austin for two years. Not that long ago, I went to go work for better or work for a while. All of the hiking trails that I used to do are now Frisbee golf courses. So (laughs) while you can still hike there, you got to watch out because you're going to get hit in the head with a Frisbee golf and they're everywhere. (laughs) I hate Frisbee golf. Okay. (laughs) The anger that we are seeing coming out of JD yelling at the team at maybe the end of the half or even during the whole game is making me think that this is how JD is talked to at home. This is all he knows and all he can do right now is continue the cycle of abuse until he learns better. It's something really interesting, and we've talked about this before, Stace, is that you and I had a conversation about the fact that J.D. McCoy is not a leader. Mm-hmm. He's not. He hasn't proven himself on that front. The kid's got all the talent in the world. He's got this amazing golden arm. But when the going gets tough, he starts pointing fingers. He's yelling at his lineman. He's talking about Saracen not being open and his lineman not blocking for him. Everybody else's fault. Yeah, it's everyone else's fault but his. And that's not what leaders do. Leaders take responsibility for their actions. And that's essentially why JD gets benched. I want to talk about this for a second too. And I think we may have talked about this. We only had Daryl K. Royal Stadium for one day to shoot this. And if you go back and look, it's probably the last 15 minutes of the episode is in the stadium. Mm. That's a lot of stuff to shoot in one day. Yeah. Cause that's fans and football and sidelines and And as far as I can remember, I believe this was the longest day in the history of FNL, the longest shoot day. If I'm not mistaken, I think we wound up shooting about 20 hours. As I've said before, our average day was probably eight. So to shoot 20 was a lot. There was a lot of tension. And that means like legally so much overtime pay for everybody who is there. So to do that is a big, big deal. Yeah. And as I said before, I mean, Jeffrey Reiner, who was kind of the directing showrunner of Friday Night Lights, who kind of kept the whole ship together. This is the only time in all the time that I worked with Jeffrey that I kind of saw him almost crack. Mm-hmm. We were 20 hours into shooting and there's a moment right before Tim's final scene. Tim and I were supposed to have some kind of moment outside the bus. And I saw that we were moving on and I walked over to Reiner and I said, hey man, are we going to shoot that scene? And he was having a conversation with somebody else and he turned around and I could kind of see like the tears in his eyes. He was just, mm. he was just beat just after this day. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, no, nah, man, I think we already got coverage. Plus I'm going to get some stuff in the next episode that I think is going to be great. I, I don't want to overkill it. And I was like, are you doing okay? And he's like, I just feel like you guys don't trust me right now. Oh, wow. And I was like, Dude, we totally trust you. Are you kidding me? So it was the first time that I ever kind of saw a chink in the armor with Jeffrey Reiner, who was just an amazing amazing director on this show. Guys, watch this episode. And in my opinion, his penultimate episode next week. I was going to say, to be fair, you guys get some real, real good stuff next week. He did not lie. Yeah. Just an amazing director. And as it would turn out, these last two episodes (laughs) would be his last two episodes on Friday Night Lights. He's of course gone on to work on a ton of other great shows. But like when you talk about the amount of people that we wind up potentially losing on this show after the course of this season. It's kind of out of control. But yeah, I mean, it was a, a close to a 20-hour shoot. It's the only time I ever saw Kyle Chandler ever get upset. Oh, we all were losing it. Yeah, it was a long day. Like everyone was snippy. We were tired. We were ready to go home. We all yeah, were tired, at each cold. other. It was yeah. a cold day too. It was a day. I mean, it's still just a testament to this crew to be able to shoot something that was probably the equivalent of 
I want to say probably about 14, 15 pages during the course of a day. Got cameramen holding those cameras for 20 hours. Oh, I can't imagine. I don't want to harp on this too much, but it is, guys. When you're moving really, really fast on a TV show, you may get five and a half to six pages in. That's Mm -hmm. like a really, really good day is to get six pages. I would say on average, it's probably about four and a half. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you shot 15 pages in a day with close to a thousand extras in the stands, it doesn't happen, except that it will happen again in the next episode. But next episode, it will be 18 pages in one day. And it's our wedding. It really is just a testament to this crew, to this cast, to Jeffrey Reiner. Just an amazing job. And I just wanted to give him a shout out and let him know 15 years later that I still love him and I still think he did an amazing job. And You want to talk about being a leader? Yeah. That guy's a leader. Yeah. Okay, let's go back. Chibi Shakeup. I was ready for this. I didn't know it was going to happen because I haven't seen it. I was excited. My head was like, is Matt ready for this? Is his arm ready for this? I don't care. I want JD out. I want Matt in. This is his last game. This is the way it's supposed to be. These guys need to be back together. Yeah. And they put Matt in and all of a sudden the team starts gelling. They start moving the football down the field. They're playing team football at this point. It's not just about how great JD McCoy is. They even have a moment where, you know, they do a running back pass. They pitch the ball off to Tim. Tim gets it and he throws a pass to Saracen and it's in the end zone. It's the definition of a selfless move because most elite quarterbacks would not go out and run a pattern as a wide receiver. It just You don't want to get hit. You don't want to get hit. Exactly. It opens up the playbook, I think, for coach because he knows he has a player back there that isn't going to have to throw the ball on every single down, who isn't going to try and win the game on his own. He's going to isn't be going to yell player. at him and all of his other players. Yeah. I mean, the Panthers come, they wind up scoring a ton of points. They're back in the ball game. There's like a minute left. We've seen this happen ad nauseum on Friday Night Lights. Dylan drives, they get the ball back, blah, 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 blah. Scores 28-27. Panthers have got it in the bag. They kick the ball off to the other team. I can't even remember what the other team's name is. They drive down the field, they kick a field goal, and it's good. And that's it. No time left on the clock. The final score is 30 to 28, and that's the ballgame. I would have been upset if we won. Is that weird to say? On a storytelling level, yes. As, <laughs> yes, pure, not as I a Panthers fan. As a storytelling yeah. level, this was earned, and it gives way to what happens next. Yeah. So the final score is 30 to 28, and you think the whole time, like, Dylan's going to come back and win it, and it's, that's it. They lost. Yeah. This final speech by coach was, Yeah, it was really amazing just to be in the locker room for that, to get to witness it, to get to watch Kyle work, because I hadn't really had a ton of stuff with Kyle at this point in time up to this point. So it was really lovely to be a part of that and to be in that locker room. It felt ominous because it was the last shot of the day, if I remember correctly, on this on this. It episode. was. I watched this from Video Village too. And it was just, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. In that room. And all the shots, the shot of just Matt at his locker, the shot of Tim at his locker, Mm. you, Tyra, like everybody's face read a million different things. It's heaven. Yeah, just the way it was all cut together. Once again, Mm. another testament to Jeffrey Reiner. But that was it, guys. That was that scene. Beautiful. Speaking of beautiful scenes. That's what I'm saying. Because we lost, we earned that. And that is more important to me as a lover of the show. I do have to say, God, I have goosebumps even talking about it right now. This last scene with Tim, it's gorgeous. It's brilliant. Here's what my brain was doing. Mostly the simplistic thought of it was that Tim knows this is his last high school game. So he just takes a minute. He takes Mm -hmm. his cleats. He puts them out on the field where he played his last game. He takes a look around. He takes it all in. However, 
I was also thinking, wait, are those Jason Street's cleats that he's always had with them and he Mm. left them out on the field because that was always his plan? Or is this Tim telling us that he's giving up football? There were so many things that I was thinking. And because the show is so layered, it could be any, it's probably the easiest, but I thought so many things in that moment. That's just the brilliance of the show. I don't know what he was thinking or doing, and I don't care because it meant something to Tim. I agree with you. Number one, it is a beautiful little montage at the end of this episode. I know that that moment was special for Taylor, and it always kind of struck me as a moment of him making peace with the fact that his playing days were done. I could be totally wrong with that, but that's the vibe I got. And Mm -hmm. I was doing my own thing. I knew that he played hockey. I know that he had an injury that wound up ending his career. And that last game for any person who's played a sport, whether it's a high school player or a college player, it's brutal. You've put your life into this game from the time that you were in peewee and then boom, it's over. It's a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. And it leaves a lot of kids asking, who am I if I'm not a football player? I went through that Mm because I started playing football when I was 10 years old. And then all of a sudden at 18, we lost a game in districts and that was it. I'll never put on a football uniform again. I'm never going to play with these guys again. I'm never going to be on this team again. What am I going to do from three to five every single day? It was my life. And all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, it's gone. It was overwhelming for me at 18. I was bawling on the sidelines. Because I think you just always assume, well, we're going to win this game and then we got the next game. And then it just ends. I know for a lot of kids, it's really difficult. For a lot of adults, for guys who played in the NFL, they retire and they don't know what to do with themselves for the next five or six years. Some of them develop really bad drinking problems. I love that FNL gives us these little montages because anyone who's played a sport knows what this feeling is. And as we'll see in the next episode, I think that maybe this is Tim saying goodbye to this game. Because Mm -hmm. Billy's kind of the one who's pushing him to go play in college. And that's the future that Billy wants for Tim. But it's definitely not the future that Tim wants for himself. I never thought about this scene, though, being him dropping off Jason Street's cleats. That's just a thought I had in my mind because it was so this moment was so important to Tim. And I could tell that through Taylor being as good as he was. So whatever it was, it was incredibly important. And that's all that matters. That's all I need to know. So like whatever it is, it is. I think that's one of the things that I love about this show so much is that we've got moments like that. Sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes it's just a montage. I was going through my own thing watching it because it reminded me of my last day playing football. I mean, there's people that are dancers who have injuries and all of a sudden you can't dance anymore or you age out of it or you just frankly aren't good enough. That's what happened to me. You weren't a good enough dancer? I wasn't a good enough dancer. I wasn't a good enough football player to continue playing. Nobody was recruiting me to go play in college. So I knew that that's where it ended for me was in high school. And I think that's one of the things that Friday Night Lights does so well. And I know I say that, I use that phrase so often, but it really is, guys. I mean, it it really touches a chord with those moments, those moments that you've experienced. It's the scene that I auditioned with. This Mm -hmm. idea that this is the apex. It's not going to get any better than this. And I think that's a lie that we maybe sell these kids. But frankly, for some of these kids, this is the best it's ever going to get. And that to me is a shame that you peak at 18 years old, you know? That's terrible. Also, because it's me and we know how my stupid brain works, there is a scene that happens after this where like the cleaning crew comes through and they're like, oh, who left their shoes on the field? This is so annoying. I liked it a lot better when we were going to leave it on a wonderful, beautiful note. And then you got to do that. Come on, Stacey. 
me. Uh, you're the worst. All right, I'm so I worst. guess we're done with this episode then. Yep, that wraps it up for season three, episode <laughs> 12. But join us next time for season three, episode 13, the season finale with special guest Jeffrey Reiner, who we were just talking about. But until then, clear eyes. Full heart. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Oristano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.